All right, everyone. Uh, welcome to the Fit Geek Show. And uh, today we have a very special guest. Uh, actually, two guests I can see. Uh, mm -hmm. We have Lyle McDonald all the way. <laughs> What's his name? Norman. Norman, yes. Uh, Lyle mm -hmm. McDonald and Norman all the way from Texas. And Lyle has uh, been one individual in the field of exercise science and uh, nutrition and fitness that I have looked up to from a very long time. The first time I saw his interview was uh, with um, Juma Iraqi uh, so in Iraq. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. And that's yes. the time I, I came to know that a person like you exists in the industry. And then I started following you. Uh, before that, uh, I was in the States and I had never heard of you or Brad fellow any, any person uh, you sure. know, belonging to this industry. Uh, so thank you so much for joining us today. I know you've done yeah. extensive work in this field from the past uh, more than two decades. And yeah, it's about 25 years. Oh yeah, oh yeah, for sure. And uh, whether it's exercise physiology, sport nutrition, or nutrition in general, women's health, women's fitness, yeah. you, you do all the great work. And just to name thank a few you. books that you've written, uh, the women's book is one of the top books that you've written, the ketogenic yes. diet book, the stubborn fat solution. These are just a few to name. And the rest of the books are available on bodyrecomposition.com. Correct. Thank you. So uh, thank you so much for joining us today. Today, we're going to uh, talk about uh, fat loss in females. Yes. Uh, I feel is one of the most complicated topics that I have ever come across. And that's why I got an expert. Like <laughs> you. <laughs> so, Lyle, um, you're not wrong. Oh, yes. Oh, go, ahead. go ahead. Yes. Uh, yeah, I was just going to say, you know, the, the book I wrote, the women's book, um, was three over three years of, of exhaustive work exhausting work because comparatively speaking men are simple it's it's just true mm -hmm. um the issues and considerations that um apply to women simply will never come up for men uh and in the big picture men have it much because a lot of men have asked me like oh well, you know when when are you gonna write the men's book i'm like i don't have to there's already a thousand of them out there like in the big picture it's much 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 more simple so uh, so Lyle, let's, let's begin with the first question that I had. Uh, how is female physiology different from that of men when it comes to losing fat? Well, so in one sense, it's not in the sense that the principles will always apply, right? We have to create a long-term calorie deficit, you know, so that the body mobilizes stored fuel. So, so, in, and so in that sense, it's, it's not at a basic level, mm -hmm. but there are differences. Um, and there's, you know, there's a tremendous number of them and I'll, I'll try to keep from getting too far into the details. But one of the, the biggest overall differences between women and men is hormones, right? At puberty, mm -hmm. uh, men hit, when men hit puberty, testosterone levels go up and they're pretty much constant, right? They, I mean, they change a little bit mm -hmm. through the day and the week and the month and the year, but you know, it's, it's whereas women, once they start uh, their menstrual cycle and start having a period, they have this roughly four week cycle where two different hormones, estrogen and progesterone are moving in very complicated overlapping ways. Hmm. And this is impacting everything from mood, behavior, appetite, cravings, um, fuel utilization. And by fuel, I mean, whether she's burning, you know, more carbohydrates or fat for energy, hmm. her propensity to store fat. So like there, there's all these very complicated issues. Um, in the big picture, uh, in a very real way, women's bodies are more 
um, they're better suited, well, to, to basically not only storing calories as fat, but also mobilizing them uh, with greater difficulty, right? Mm -hmm. Women's bodies spare car carbohydrate and spare fat. And this is very much because in a very real way, women had to keep the human race alive, mm -hmm. right? Once a male has done what he needs to do as far as impregnation, like, yes, is it fantastic if he's around to provide resources and food? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. But is he required? Not really. Women mm -hmm. are tasked with... Uh, pregnancy, nine months, which takes a sufficient number of calories, mm -hmm. ensuring the child survives till five years old. So women's bodies very much evolved to survive things like famine and starvation. Mm -hmm. And men are much more likely to die. Mm -hmm. And in, in one sense, that makes logical sense. Mm -hmm. Because as I mentioned, once men have kind of done what they need to do mm -hmm. reproductively, if there's limited food, if there's limited resources, it's probably better if he dies sooner because that will leave more food for her and for the baby. Like I know that it sounds very callous, but just in sort of a biological sense. So right. the consequence of that is, and there's still more to come hmm. um, in response to calorie deficits in response to, because a diet is really just starvation mm -hmm. on a longer term, right? To your body, your mm -hmm. body doesn't care, you know, how you look or what your body fat, it wants to keep you alive. Mm. So dieting is just starvational and a lot of the same adaptations occur. Mm. So women's bodies tend to show uh, a greater adaptation to dieting, a faster adaptation to dieting, differences in the way these hormones change and also how our body responds to it. So that is one reason women tend to have more problem, difficulty losing fat compared to men, even if you give them the identical, identical approach. So that's in really the long term. Mm -hmm. In the shorter term, women's bodies use nutrients differently. Hmm. So as an example, uh, when women do aerobic exercise, cardiovascular exercise, mm -hmm. they tend to use more fat for fuel. Wow, that should be a great thing, right? Mm -hmm. Well, first off, you don't use a lot of fat for fuel during exercise, unless you do a lot of it. Hmm. But number two, they tend to use more of the fat stored in their muscle rather than the fat stored uh, underneath the skin. It's called mm -hmm. subcutaneous fat. But the other consequence is that for the rest of the day, they burn more carbohydrate. Now, men, when they do aerobic exercise, even at the same difficulty level, use more carbohydrates during exercise, but burn more fat the rest of the day. And in the big picture, really what we do during that hour of exercise, 30 minutes of exercise, is not really the most important part. It's what happened. The other 23 hours of the day are far more important. So you've got sort of all these, then again, as I mentioned, you know, in the second half of the menstrual cycle after ovulation, women tend to have cravings. Their appetite tends to go up. This can make adherence to a diet more difficult. Hmm. You find that um, one thing women often suffer is uh, reproductive dysfunction mm -hmm. when they're dieting. And there's a whole lot that goes into that. And again, I don't want to get tremendously into the details, but it, it sort of fundamentally has to do with um, when a woman is eating too little, too many, too few, too few calories mm -hmm. for their activity level. Mm -hmm. The body sort of senses, knows, again, this is hormonal, mm -hmm. um, how much energy it has available, right? And if it has enough, it can keep everything running just fine. Right now, on any given day, certain things have to happen to keep us alive. Brain has to function. Heart has to keep pumping. Mm -hmm. Lungs, liver, kidneys. Big picture, like many people who diet very extremely, their hair will stop growing. 
or their, their fingernails will stop growing because why would the body waste energy on that? Correct. It's not required to keep you alive. And reproductive uh, dysfunction, same thing. A woman's reproductive system may shut down. She may lose her menstrual cycle completely. Some things can happen. And again, if you think about it, if there's not enough food, that's not a good time to get pregnant. Mm-hmm. Um, women can also lose bone density. And these are things that only when men diet to the very extremes do they really experience this. Like in sports, like long distance runners who are very, very skinny, hmm. um, in horse racing, which mm-hmm. I actually don't know if I, in the, you know, the, the, the jockeys, the riders yes. maintain these extremely low body weights, mm. like just, you know, so low for their height. Right. You will see that, but most men, they can diet very hard. They can diet to the extremes and will probably never really experience this where many women will. Uh, so, so these are sort of all considerations um, that, that do play a role in all of this. Well, wow. so, so everything sort of goes with the reproductive health and evolution and how the mankind can move forward. Everything is related to that, essentially. Yeah, yeah. one of the, the probably 10 or 15 years ago, very early kind of, and it, this happens in other animals too, mm. right? Women, the, the females of the species invariably adapt much harder and much faster because they have to, mm. because they have to. And you see really other fascinating uh, examples of this. Um, once, once a woman has had her child, even if she's not eating enough, even if she's, you know, under really extreme, her body will still find a way to make milk, hmm. right? Her, uh, women's whole sort of physiology to a very great degree. And again, don't, I don't want anyone listening to this to mishear me. Hmm. I'm absolutely not saying that like women's only role is for reproduction. Like, <laughs> um, trust me, I'm not. It's more that because of the importance of women in survival <laughs> of children, her body has adapted and that's great, but it can make the fat loss process much more difficult. Hmm. So that comes to the next question, uh, gets me to the next question. So a cookie cutter approach, does it work for everyone? So like does one diet, one routine work for all women? Is there a particular one that you've come across? So yes to no. So okay. again, in, a, in the most general sense, uh, to me, a proper fat loss diet has to accomplish two things is one, it has to create a long-term calorie deficit. And by that, I mean, a diff- the difference between energy expenditure, how many calories you burn and how much you're eating, right? Mm-hmm. That, that difference is ultimately what will cause the body to have to mobilize stored fuel, lose fat or weight in the long term. Mm-hmm. It needs to have sufficient dietary protein. This is important for a number of reasons, uh, appetite control, blood mm-hmm. sugar control, as important as anything, um, it's to prevent the loss of muscle. Mm-hmm. Um, when that occurs, that can cause greater increases in appetite, a greater risk of rebounding to a higher body fat percentage. Mm-hmm. It also, if you're losing muscle, you, I mean, let's be realistic. Most of us diet to lose fat to look better. Mm-hmm. Right. We, right. We can, we can all lie and say it's cause I want to be healthier. I'm not saying that's not, can't be the case, but let's face it. We want to look better. Mm-hmm. So if you're losing muscle along with the body fat in some proportion, many people, women and men find that, okay, their weight is down, but they're not really happy with the appearance changes mm-hmm. that they made. They're sort of a smaller version of themselves. So those are really the two global factors. 
And honestly, women who get those two things right, mm-hmm. and we'll talk about exercise later, that's mm-hmm. the, like the third part of that triangle, mm-hmm. are really ahead of the game. And to a degree, the rest of it, how many dietary carbohydrates, how much dietary fat, is far less important. That depends on things such as um, you know, how much activity you're doing. Food preferences is a big issue. And, and here's something that um, I think you mentioned. Uh, I've got a, we've got a mutual friend named Sumi Singh. She's an athlete that I train, but she is Indian. She can probably comment on some of this better than I can, because I know this is one of, you know, there are huge cultural differences. Mm-hmm. And I'll be very honest that for my, or the early part of my career, it didn't even occur to me because I'm an American. And if y'all know anything, Americans are about the most mentally isolated, like Mm -hmm. to us, America is the world. Mm -hmm. And I often, I used to often forget that a, you know, American culture completely different from anywhere else in the world. Mm -hmm. Um, But also that the things that I have access to at the grocery store in terms of foods Mm. often don't exist anywhere else in the world. And it took me like, it wasn't until I got a little bit older in my career and that it occurred to me, it's like, wow, you, that I was really (laughs) missing. So, and I actually, something I've talked about in my, my uh, Facebook group Mm. that I'm not going to be the one to do it, but it's becoming more clear that a lot of the diet and exercise advice, it tends to be done on a fairly small uh, ethnic group of eth- in terms of ethnicity and culture, mm-hmm. and it tends to be realistically sort of middle class white women, mm-hmm. and it's now becoming very very clear that there are biological differences between different ethnicities. Mm-hmm. There are huge cultural differences mm-hmm. in terms of the types of activities, images, you know, body image attraction. Um, you know, one sort of a random example that came up is in, at least in the American black community, mm-hmm. uh, hair is extremely important. It's just mm. a big part of their culture. And so far they will get weaves, which is they weave, you know, um, Correct. Mm. often real hair, actually. And my mm-hmm. understanding is actually a lot of it comes from India. It's like that's sort of its own industry. Yes, uh, yes. Uh, sure. is, is basically, I, I watch a documentary and yep. like mind blowing because I, I didn't know any of this is fascinating to me but because of that many black women won't swim mm. because weeds can cost two thousand like dollars this is not an inexpensive part of their culture mm. but that alone may be impacting like so giving generic exercise advice giving mm. generic maybe so someone needs to really sit down and write like an ethnically oriented approach just to start looking at some of these factors i think mm. and one of the things we'll talk about i assume he's written about there are differences in like indian just genetically yes um in terms of things that impact uh indians and again i'm sorry anybody listening to this like i realize that like india is a huge country yes. it is like so i'm not i i know there's ethnically diverse parts of it mm-hmm. i'm just gonna fall back on the fact that i'm a dumb american and it's not, I'm not trying to be insulting. I just generally don't know. It is just purely out of ignorance. No, that's but anyway, so, fine. yeah, it's just, I just don't want to, I hate, I live in the U.S. where people are super sensitive to, so I don't want to come across wrong to anybody. Um, so, yeah, so we've got, so again, as long as you get those two right, the rest of it, less of an issue. Mm-hmm. And there are food preference issues. There are food availability issues. 
but to a first approximation, and it's, it's, I was saying this years ago, and this is what really the research has found, is that the, really the best diet is the one that you'll stick to in the long term. Hmm. So in one sense, yes, it's cookie cutter in that you need to have, you know, a deficit and enough protein. Hmm. But beyond that, I tend to not care too much about the rest mm -hmm. as long as it allows you to stay within your calories, mm -hmm. adhere to the diet in both the short and the long term, like, mm -hmm. you know, should be, because there are, and I think we'll talk about this in your next question, you know, so many dietary approaches, all mm -hmm. of which say that this is the best. Mm -hmm. And every one of them works well for some people, terribly for other people, yes. and kind of in the middle, if there were a single best diet, we would know what it is by now. Yeah. So it really is more working within the context of the individual. Again, mm. you know, uh, if I'm training, if I'm working with someone that is an athlete, is extremely high activity level, I will probably have different recommendations than someone who is relatively inactive, doing maybe only brisk walking, you know, at the lower intensity. I would mm -hmm. probably give different possible ideals, but mm -hmm. beyond that, no, not really. Oh, that, that was that was interesting. And and uh, to add to your conversation, what you just said, when I first came to the U.S., uh, I entered Walmart, and I just had to buy a a, a deodorant, and uh, I just look and there are like two hundred options, and I was like, I was asking my uncle, which one should I buy, and he's like, just just take anything, it's okay, <laughs> you'll get it's, used to it. <laughs> it's so funny that you mention that when I've had people come visit from Australia or, or wherever and, and you take and you do you take them to Walmart hmm. or just the grocery store hmm. and they just stand in the aisles it's they're like why why do you need 50 types of the same salad dressing I go because it's America and we do because I, I spent some time in the UK many many years ago hmm. and you go to UK and this was kind of I think this was really the eye-opener the, the, the stuff, all the low fat foods, the fat free foods, everything I can get so easily. Mm. Like, wow, this doesn't exist in a lot of other, it's changed now. I know other countries are, because America, we will ruin the rest of the world. No matter what we're gonna, we're determined to bring all of our terrible things to the rest of the world. Some of which is good. And you know, they have one type of salad dressing, one type of bread. And I'm there. And like, I realize that that's all you need, mm. but having grown up in America my whole life, it made me anxious because I can go to Walmart at three o'clock in the morning yeah. <laughs> and get salad dressing if I need to. Now, am I going to? Absolutely not. Mm. I, I've never had a salad dressing emergency mm. that I can really remember. But being in the UK where the stores closed at eight, knowing that I couldn't go get salad dressing at 3 a.m. Mm. <laughs> really bothered me. And I know this, this sounds ridiculous and it is ridiculous. It really made me aware of like what an ugly American I am in many, many, altogether too many ways. Cause it is, I've just gotten used to this, but yeah, it's or they'll go to our cereal aisle. That's the one that blows people's minds yeah. because most countries have two types of cereal and they're both awful. And in America, we've got so many, I, I've known people from Australia. They don't, they don't buy blue jeans. They don't buy electronics they take home sugary cereal, right? They take home Lucky Charms and Captain Crunch because they can get blue jeans where they live. They can, it's, so yeah, it's truly mind boggling. And like I said, so I tend to forget this. Again, this is something that both in general and just in terms of all specifically Indian culture, mm -hmm. Sumi would be the person to talk to about this yes, yes. because she, 
has had has addressed it within her own diet, even though I think she, she grew up in the Philippines, so it wasn't mm. quite the same, but she's mm-hmm. much more familiar with it than I ever will mm-hmm. be in terms of like traditional diets and can work within that probably better than I can. So I'll speak in some generalities and that's all. So uh, this brings me to our next one question. That have you come across any interesting or strange fat loss diets for women that clearly you saw and you knew they wouldn't work or any exercise routines? Um... Well, probably more um, exercise, hmm. right? For di- so for dietary stuff, I mean, I can't think of anything that's been like a specific female fat loss diet, except mm-hmm. like maybe what I've written about. But I would say women are exposed to some of the most appalling diet advice that's out there. Hmm. And I think a lot of that is, you know, culturally, women traditionally have been far more likely to diet than men at some, at any given date, the the percentage of women, again, this is probably American statistics, but Mm -hmm. I'm sure it's generally true. Mm -hmm. Some astounding percentage of women are dieting. Whereas for men, it's always been less of an issue. Um, It's becoming more so in the modern era of, again, same media, boy younger males are saying oh yeah i want to be buff with a six-pack and this and that and the other but at the same time men's dieting advice tends to come from a different place Hmm. men just ah you want to get in shape lift weights and eat protein like that is that's how guys get into shape that's what you Hmm. tell them women the amount of just staggering diet bad staggeringly bad diet advice one of my favorite stories i told this on a recent podcast again to give you an example of this Mm -hmm. there is a famous barbie doll right i'm i'm still never sure what of my cultural stuff because it's just a very popular girl's doll yeah yeah around for for decades Mm -hmm. and there was a 1960s barbie doll and it came with a scale Mm -hmm. and it had a little book little toy book and it said how to lose weight you flipped it over and it said don't eat now this didn't, yeah, they pulled it off the mark, like, but this is frequently the type of, oh, if you want to lose weight as a woman, mm. eat as little as you can, live on salad, you know, don't, all the, my mom used to tell me stories, you know, that women, it's like you would get some plain green lettuce and put cottage cheese, which is this weird curdy dairy yes. food that I detest it, um, like, and that's just how you diet it. And whenever I go to the grocery store, we have these endless women's magazines Mm. and I can't not read them because the cover is always like the new thyroid (laughs) hack that you can lose, you know, 25 kilos in three weeks. And I'm like, I got to (laughs) know this. Maybe, maybe this is the secret I've been missing. Maybe this is like, and I I mainly do it just because I think it's funny, but Mm. it's not funny. It it bothers me. Mm -hmm. It makes me very angry. And mainly I do it, I think, to get my blood pressure up because I like being angry. But because we have just staggering failure rates for dieting mm-hmm. across the board. And there's a lot of reasons for this. But I'm of the opinion that so much of it is just due to terrible dieting advice. Oh. And it is more women are exposed to far more of it, to myth and lore. And, you know, what, so I don't think there's any specific diet I can think of, but there is absolutely terrible. Now there are, there are a lot of women specific training ideas you'll come across, I think more so. And some of this, there is a logic to, right? Mm-hmm. Women's body shape are different than men, obviously. Mm-hmm. Right. And again, this changes at puberty, little boys and little girls, fairly similar. 
Mm-hmm. Puberty is where it changes. Puberty means testosterone goes up, they gain muscle, they lose fat, they get broader shoulders. Narrow, men typically don't get what, you know, they have narrower hips than women, don't, generally don't carry a lot of body fat in the thighs. Mm-hmm. Women, it's kind of the reverse. As soon as they hit puberty, they tend to gain body fat, breasts develop, they will gain hip and thigh fat, which is specifically to support pregnancy mm-hmm. and tend to be, you know, they call it an apple shape for men, right? You're kind of round around the middle mm-hmm. and a pear shape mm-hmm. for women where you're narrow. Mm-hmm. So you will see exercise stuff that is aimed at like, you know, body shape training, it's like, oh, okay, if you're particularly hippie, if you're particularly, you know, thick through the lower body, it will be things like try to increase your upper body size to balance mm. things out, okay. right? Because if, if you tell that woman, and I've run into this, so if you have a woman that's usually carrying a lot of excess body weight and body fat, they tend to have very thick thighs. Mm. It's just the nature of it. So then we're like, oh, well, I'm a guy, like, I'm going to put them on a heavy leg press or heavy squats. Well, then their leg muscles get bigger and it almost makes it what right. It's sort of pushing everything out. Mm. Maybe that's the wrong approach in that specific case. Now, so there's some logic to that. Probably the, the most traditional th- approach, and again, this is very old school, mm-hmm. is, you know, there, there's a couple things. One, there are, first off, there are bulking exercises, mm-hmm. squats, bench press, deadlift, you know. Then there's toning exercises, lunges, flies tricep kickbacks mm-hmm. and that's that's not and it's because men did the big one did these mm-hmm. to get big well those are bulking and then these did women typically did these and there's really nothing to that right all, all muscle tone is or all being toned is it's having a little bit of muscle mass and not carrying too much body fat mm-hmm. right basically muscle grows or gets smaller mm-hmm. have more or less fat that's really all that can happen which isn't to say that some exercises may not be more suited for women. And by that, in the sense that women typically have carry more muscle mass in their lower body. Mm-hmm. And if you compare it compared to their upper body and also compared to men, like if you compare relative strength levels, women's upper bodies, 50 to 60%, mm-hmm. women's lower bodies, maybe 70 to 80%, mm-hmm. right? Men are just a little bit more balanced strength and muscle wise. But what that means is that for many exercises that men can do, so for example, excuse me, a squat where you hold a bar on your shoulders, Mm -hmm. women's upper bodies may not have the strength to hold physically or comfortably what their legs can move, Mm. right? So, you know, in the recent years, there's been, you know, the hip thrust. That is like Mm. the exercise for one. And is it a magic exercise? No. Mm -hmm. However, for women, it takes the bar off their back. Mm -hmm. It takes the core. Can full squats build your butt muscles? Absolutely. Not everyone can do them well. Not everyone Mm -hmm. can do them with good coordination. Women's wider hips, their knees tend to come in more, which can be dangerous. Just it's, there's biomechanics to it. Mm -hmm. Have them do a hip thrust. Suddenly you've taken all of this out of the picture Mm -hmm. and it allows them to target the, the, to, to work the target muscle, in this case, the glutes, mm-hmm. much more effectively. So in that sense, there may be, I hate to say women-specific exercises, mm-hmm. but some that just, you know, watch women do deadlifts, for example. They may have a much greater difficulty keeping their upper back mm-hmm. from rounding just because they have, their lower body is so much stronger. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you put them, you know, in, in more, take that component out of it, put them on a leg press machine where they don't have to carry or whatever it is, you mm-hmm. avoid a lot of those problems. Mm-hmm. But beyond all that, the bulking and toning, 
you still have this idea floating around that women should just train with light weights and higher repetitions. And because, you know, if you lift too heavy, you'll get bulky and all that kind of thing. This has been around, well, for decades, mm. right? If you actually go back into the history of women in sport, and I'm talking the early 20th century. Mm-hmm. The first Olympic Games, 18, I want to say 1896, there were zero women. Okay. Zero. By the 50s, it's like 25 or 30%. Mm. And most of that was because Russia and Germany wanted female athletes because they could win more medals. Mm. Now we're at about 45% women at the Olympic Games. It's about half and half. But during that early 20th century, there was this belief uh, women are too fragile to do sport. Mm. Sport will make women into men. That was, that's been around for like almost a century now. There was a, re, there was a physician, and it's always male physicians, make no mistake, who, was, who, who basically said, ah, if women engage in intense sport, that their reproductive, reproductive organs would wither, wither, like wither away. And they would basically finish their transformation into a man. Like, and, and that sort of continued to this day, even, even in the 80s and the 70s, you know, oh, It'll make women infertile. Of course, there's also, and this is very cultural. Oh, if you mm. get too muscular, you'll never get a man. Yeah. And this is very, like, that's still, and that's very generational, mm. right? Like my grandmother certainly would have thought like that. My mother wasn't really part of her cultural upbringing, right? Women just weren't allowed to do these things. Mm. Even in America, it wasn't until the late seventies and due to some legal stuff that it really changed here. Mm-hmm. And now we're sort of at the point due to social media, due, which has, you know, done some really bad things and done some really good things. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, we're getting past a lot of that because the big issue, and again, I'm going to be very careful in my words because America is nuts about all this stuff, right? There's this, oh, if women lift heavy weights, they'll get bulky and lose their femininity. Oh, that's become in India as well, yeah. Right. And, and again, the reason I'm being is over here, there's a big, it's a big political, social oh. justice, and I don't want to get involved in that. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows what I mean. Right. And a lot of that, because in the 80s, female, the females you saw with muscles, female mm-hmm. bodybuilders, were all on steroids. They were all yeah. taking male hormones, mm-hmm. right? If you take the average untrained female and have her start weight training, within six months, she might gain two to two and a half kilos of muscle, mm. right? That, that's about, now the women they're seeing in the, in the magazines back then, those women were 85 kilos of salt, like a solid muscle, right? Oh. We're talking, they were huge. Mm-hmm. They're bigger than a lot of males you will see who lift mm-hmm. weights because they're taking so many drugs. So th- this idea that women will get bulky, will you know, lose their femininity still persists. But because of social media, you see a lot of women who are, I mean, unbelievably strong, stronger than many men, um, who are training with incredible intensity. Again, mm-hmm. I know these are loaded words. People know what I mean, but, you know, are still feminine mm-hmm. in that, you know, yeah. Are they muscular? Are they tough? Absolutely. But are they, man, you know, no, man, again, you still see it when women mm-hmm. take lots of anabolic steroids, it can change mm-hmm. their facial structure. Sure. It can, but this is when you're talking about severe drug abuse mm-hmm. take the average one so yes yeah, so you still get this idea that a women should only train with lightweights do high repetitions there is a famous celebrity trainer in the u.s who's i don't remember her name and even did i wouldn't i wouldn't say it 
she has said that women should never lift more than one and a half kilos or they'll get bulky. Now, for any women listening to this, when you had a child, <laughs> the child already was born weighing more than that, right? Yeah. Again, I think, I think in pounds, but like average birth weight, what, three, three and a half kilos, somewhere in Yeah, that. yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's a little weird in India, it, when the child is born, we measure it in pounds, but otherwise everything really? is in kilos. Yeah. I don't know Interesting. Why. <laughs> huh. That okay. was about seven today pounds. I, okay, yeah. Today I learned it's about three, uh, about three kilos. Yeah, yeah, today I learned something new. So like already, a woman who is simply carrying her child is lifting more than this. Mm. Right. So there's just so many nonsensical ideas that are, that, and, and I've seen women, right. Who, who sort of followed that trainer and never got anywhere. They never mm. get any results. And then they had a kid and they were carrying, you know, it seems like most mothers carry the child in sort of one arm. Mm-hmm. And so they, they were starting at seven pounds, you know, three, and it was just going up from there. And they would go online and go, you know what? The arm that I carry my baby in is looking a lot better. <laughs> right. Because you're actually challenging the muscles. Mm-hmm. So, so there's still a lot of that out there. Now, don't hear me saying that, you know, you have to be capable of, you know, squatting 200 kilos, 150 kilos to get in shape. Like, that's not what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. But sort of the third factor, you know, I talked about diet and fat loss. It's very common to hear about women. They do endless cardio one or two hours a day, usually at low intensities. Mm-hmm. They're not getting enough and they'll spend years doing this and just get nowhere. And then they'll decide they want to get into weight or they might be doing weight training and just lifting very light weights. Mm-hmm. Then when they see something, they go, Oh, I want to, I want to do, I want to work a little bit harder. They start challenging themselves. Frequently they'll increase their protein intake because that's very much part of the lifting culture. Mm-hmm. And in a few months, they'll see more changes than they saw in two years. It's, it's like, it's a magic transformation. But by, again, but by that, I'm not saying you have to do maximum sets of five or maximum sets of three. Not everyone is physically built to do that. Hmm. And again, women, if you've got wider hips, not going to be a, a good fit for you if you don't have the shoulder. But even women who decide, okay, I'm going to do 15 repetitions, but I want the last two to three to be challenging, hmm. to really not, doesn't have to be all out, but I want it hmm. to be, you know, hard. Hmm. And over time, I'm going to try to get a little bit stronger. That's when the magic happens. And if you do that, plus a deficit, plus mm-hmm. getting enough protein again, if you get those three in place, the rest of it is, you know, is really negotiable. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so in the, in the exercise realm, certainly there's a lot of, whereas men, you don't see this. Yeah. I have yet to meet or train a male who didn't want to lift as heavy as they could every, like that is just how guys think. And guys love to eat all the pro again, very, very American centric. Yeah. I realize, and I know we're going to talk about this yeah. uh, as far as Indian culture and dietary patterns. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, men love to just like when men want to get in shape, like go lift weights and eat nothing but protein. When women want to get in shape, traditionally go do all the cardio you can stand, eat nothing but carbs, mm-hmm. eat as little as you can. And it just doesn't work. Mm. Um, so in a very, in a very real sense, you know, women, when they're, when their goal is to lose fat and, you know, tone up or get in shape, whatever you want to call it, should take ideas from what men traditionally do. Mm-hmm. Right. No, it's different. Like, so if you look at, you know, in the physique sports, and this is, I think a lot of what's changed things. If 
you look within the physique, and by that I mean bodybuilding, fitness, figure, those types of activities. That mm-hmm. The women in those activities are already, like if you talk to them, they're like, yeah, they lift heavily. Again, that can mean sets of eight, sets of 15, doesn't matter. You know, they get, they tend to over consume protein, if anything, overemphasize it. And they diet and like that's, those are the strategies that work. Hmm. It's not that they're exclusive to men so much as, they're generally good strategies. Women just have these other considerations like we talked about. Men can diet at much more to the extremes and just not see the problems. Hmm. And women often have to kind of coax fat loss rather than forcing it, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So uh, thanks so much for, for that detailed sure. answer. Uh, I too have come across some weird uh, diets. Uh, number one being just soups and salads for days and days. And yeah. the person drops weight. And once they drop the weight, they start eating more. Because the because they've been restricted yeah. for so long, and then they get, end up getting gaining more weight. Um, another Absolutely. thing, uh, a, a fitness routine that I came across was uh, a just time under tension uh, uh, routine, which uh, the person, the trainer, just makes you do one or two reps of each set, but they just make you yeah. do it for like ten to fifteen seconds, uh, say example, eccentric, and ten to fifteen seconds, yeah, concentric. And yes. Yeah, well, that's, there's, there's an, that comes out of something that the very U.S. from years ago called super slow training. Mm-hmm. There's a guy, mm-hmm. uh, Fred, I forget his name, mm-hmm. um, who came up with that. And his science, his physics, he's a very poor understanding of physics. But the idea was like that would reduce joint loading and injury. Mm-hmm. And yes, yeah, so you take 10 or 15 seconds either way. Mm-hmm. The problem with that, like, can it be, it's, it can be very useful for like older individuals, people mm-hmm. with joint injuries, mm-hmm. because it's decreasing, you know, the, the physical loading on the joints. Mm-hmm. Um, but it it's generally doesn't have quite the same effect, you know, and the idea is also that the whole time under tension, the idea here is that how much, how long the set is kind of determines mm-hmm. how the muscles adapt, mm-hmm. you know, so if you do eight repetitions and you do two seconds up, two seconds down, that's 32 seconds. Mm-hmm. Or you do, you know, two repetitions that are 15 seconds each. And it's, doesn't really work out that way, but that's, mm-hmm. yeah, that one, that tends to be a very niche type of thing. They're very much a tiny subculture um, of the weight training world. So. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't Not think even the volume or volume loads can be equated like that. Yeah, to you know, to a degree, but like what you, mm. what you what you see happening is that when you slow things down so much, mm. it decreases the the intensity, the amount of weight you can use, mm. far out of proportion to the length, like to to the set. Mm. So it a lot of it because a lot of those guys be like, oh yeah, if you train like this, you don't need to do a warm up set, mm. and that's true because it is a warm up set. It, it ends up being at such a low percentage of your maximum strength that it's not really accomplishing, mm-hmm. I think, as much. Now, now there has been some interest recently in low-load training and what's called blood flow restriction. So, yeah. so for history, back in the day, like, again, when I was sort of coming up, the idea is, okay, for muscle, hyper, for muscle growth, six to 12 heavy repetitions. Mm-hmm. Somewhere in that range. That was like the sort of the zone you worked in. Some would go a little bit higher. Occasionally you'd see fives, but somewhere in that range. And that was, and then, then re, by recently, maybe in the last 10 years, mm. they started doing some research. They're like, okay, so we're going to start at say 30% of maximum, mm. right? So if you could lift 50 kilos, you, you know, heavy weights might be 80% of that, which is 40 kilos, 30% would be 
17-ish, thereabouts. But you do that for like 30 to 35 repetitions until you cannot do another repetition to what's called muscular failures. You physically can't lift the weight anymore. And it does turn out that that generates very similar results for a bunch of boring reasons I'm not going to get into. Um, blood flow restriction is similar. Here you use a, a cuff, a stretchy that you tie off like around the upper arm or the upper leg mm -hmm. and it physically blocks blood flow into the muscles. Mm -hmm. And that just has a very similar effect. I'll just put it that way. Mm -hmm. um, it's much more painful. It's because mm -hmm. it, it like you get a lot more of a burn. Uh, oh, it's yeah. much more difficult. Um, those also tend to be really good if you've got joint problems, injuries. Mm -hmm. So, you know, back to years ago, I injured my low back. It was like 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. When I went back to training, I had to really decrease, you know, the four, the overall forces. And I did, I did it. Was it 10 seconds, five seconds down, 10 seconds up or something like that. Mm -hmm. But I was physically working around an injury. I found that if I pulled any faster than that, it hurt my low back. Mm -hmm. That was a very specific application. So the low load training, you know, you can go lighter, but it's still, the key here is not necessarily the load, but the challenge hmm. is if you're going to lift at 30% of your maximum with very light weights, you have to go till you physically cannot do another full repetition. Hmm. Hmm. It's very painful. Hmm. I think it's very boring, hmm. but I've always done, uh, you know, I've always been kind of a, uh, a heavy, I like pushing heavy weights. I was never hmm. great at it, but I always enjoyed it. Hmm. But it, it, it's really more about challenging the muscles and also challenging it over time. Something else I do see, I, would, I dare say more among women than men. Um, men do this sometimes too. Like I said, men always want to lift more weight. Mm. They do it because they think it impresses women. The thing is, <laughs> women don't care. All it's impressing is other men. It's just the truth. Like, yes, I'm sure. I mean, yes, there are women out there that are just like, ah, uh, but on average, all the only guy there, the only people they're impressing in the gym are the guys watching them bench. The guys always want to lift more weight. Women frequently, either because they have been sort of taught, uh, if I lift heavy weights, if I do this, I'll get big and bulky, et cetera, et cetera. Or for whatever reason, a weight that's challenging now. So maybe they're doing arm curls with five kilos in each hand. And they'll, okay, 13, 14, 15, but they'll never go any heavier than that. Mm. Suddenly 15 is very easy, but they just stay at that weight and then they mm. stop progressing. Mm. So not only does it need to be challenging acutely on a, like an individual workout basis to some degree, and again, I'm not saying you have to go all out at every workout, but mm -hmm. just in general, over time, it has to progress. Now there are, there are multiple ways to progress. If you're doing one hard set, you could do a second hard set. If, you know, over time you need to add weight how much weight you're lifting. Hmm. Now the, here, a very, a very specific women's specific issue comes up. Women on average are not as strong as men. It's just, hmm. it's biological. They have less muscle. Mm -hmm. Just that's all that, all I'm saying hmm. in the weight room, frequently the jumps between weights proportionally are much higher for women. Hmm. Right. So on average, like if you're using a barbell, to do squats or bench press or something like generally the lightest, the smallest weight increase, total weight increases two and a half kilos. Although I'm told in some countries it's even worse than that. Right in the U S two and a half pounds uh, per side, which is a quarter and a quarter kilo and a quarter. So yeah. about two and a half kilos. Mm -hmm. Now, if you're a male who's bench pressing hundred kilos, that two and a half kilos is nothing. 
Mm. right? That's two and a half percent of what you're lifting. Mm -hmm. If you're a female who's bench pressing 25 kilos, that's 10%. Mm -hmm. Huge, right? You wouldn't take that male and add 10 kilos to the bar because mm -hmm. he wouldn't be able to do it. Correct. Dumbbells are frequently worse, right? Dumbbells, again, I think in pounds, you know, in the US we'll get three pounds, kilo and a half, five, mm -hmm. just under two and a half kilos. Mm -hmm. You might have eights. So you might have about a three and a half kilo weight. Then it goes to 10, four and a half kilos. You might have a 12 if you're lucky, about five and a half. And then it's 15, then it's two and a half, it's five, two and a half kilo jumps per hand. Mm -hmm. That jump from 15 pounds, roughly seven and a half kilos and more like seven mm -hmm. to 20 to nine kilos is huge. Mm -hmm. women may go from, Oh, I can do 10 repetitions with this to I can't do any. Mm -hmm. So in that case, just saying add weight may not be realistic. Mm -hmm. So in the short term, number of things women may have to do, right? So let's say the goal is eight repetitions. Well, stay so you can do 15. If you can do 15, you change, you up the weight. Maybe you can get five or six repetitions. Mm -hmm. You might, you know, if you're lucky, you might get eight. You might have to build up to more. You might have to add extra sets in the short term. So mm. go from one set to two sets. So like, let's say one set at a given weight for 15 is hard. You add a t second set, you only get 12, mm. right? It's because you're tired. Right. When you can do two easy sets of 15, you've gotten much stronger. Because mm. first, it used to be one hard set of 15, two easy sets of 15. You can probably go up on at least the first set, mm -hmm. right? So like, let's say you're lifting 10 kilos again, just because the math is easier in my head. And the next jump is 12 and a half kilos. That's mm -hmm. the next dumbbell you have. So you're doing 10 kilos, 15 is hard. Mm -hmm. well, add a set, maybe two or three weeks later, ah, oh, I can do both sets of 15 pretty easily. Mm -hmm. So take that, that first set that was at 10 kilos, go to 12 and a half. Maybe you only get six or seven. Mm -hmm. One well, second set, go back to 10 kilos mm -hmm. so you can get more repetitions in. and then in a couple of weeks that first set of 12 and a half kilos maybe you get eight nine mm -hmm. ten eventually when that gets to 15 maybe you do 12 and a half kilos for both sets so it, it may be women may have depending on the exercise mm -hmm. may have to use a slower just as a function of how much they're lifting relative to what weight increase they have available to them hmm. awesome that was quite detailed uh, so, so next question is uh, who qualifies uh to to diet for fat loss because um there might be women who are actually overweight uh, according to the scale or visually and they really need right. to lose fat but there are other women who are not really uh, overweight or really visually do not need to lose any more fat so uh, who qualifies and who doesn't and what kind of qualifiers would you think apply? Yeah. So it, it's really interesting that statistically, again, at least in the U.S., a, a huge proportion of the women who are dieting, frequently more, more I, I believe a larger percentage, are women who are of relatively normal weight. Now that's a very kind of normal is a very loaded term mm -hmm. and we've there are all kinds of equations about how much you should weigh based on how tall you are. And a lot of it's very old and I'd say a lot of it's very outdated mm -hmm. <clears throat> because scale weight by itself is not useless as some people say, but it's not all that matters. Mm -hmm. Right. So take two, two women and say one is 55, 50 kilos mm -hmm. at 30% body fat. 
right? Okay. So one third, take another woman who's 50 kilos at 20% body fat. Mm -hmm. They weigh the same, but they may look completely different mm -hmm. because the one will have 10% less fat and 10% more muscle. Mm -hmm. So the scale in and of itself, and unfortunately, we, many, many still tend to think like that. I knew someone years ago, and she was very tall. She's like five foot 10. She weighed about 75 kilos. Mm -hmm. She wanted to weigh 60 kilos. And I was like, why? Because somehow that became a proper women's weight. I, I have no idea. I don't know where this number came from. Mm. I mean, I guess if you're bench pressing, it's the bar and two 20 kilo plates. Like, I don't, I don't know where. And I, but I told him, like, you're five foot 10. We would have to cut off one of your legs to get you to, like, physically, there's no human way you could lose 15 mm. kilos on, on that frame. Mm -hmm. So from a, you know, from a determining like who, you know, who, who should or shouldn't using body fat percentage would be a better approach mm. because even, and this is something else that is, get, goes back to like a lot of the ideas that women are exposed to is again, they're thinking in terms of weight. Oh, well, if you, and, and they'll, and they'll put it in these terms, they'll come to you as a trainee or what, or, you know, as a, as a coach or a trainer mm -hmm. and they'll go, well, I weigh, 60 kilos now and I want to weigh 50 and you go, why? We go, well, because I just think that'd be a good number, but, but why that, I'm, you know, I'm not being dismissive, but like, that's yeah. not, that's not an actual reason. Mm -hmm. Where did this number come from other than thin air mm -hmm. or because they saw that someone they look or whatever it is weighed that much. Mm -hmm. Right. So body fat, again, body fat. And what, what women may see, especially in the early stages is as they're losing some fat, if they're gaining small amounts of muscle for a little while, the scale may not move. Mm -hmm. And of course women I'm dieting and my weight's not dropping. Don't care. Mm -hmm. You're changing the relative. That doesn't happen forever. Again, women may gain two to two and a half kilos over the first six months. Assuming they're dieting properly, mm -hmm. they should lose significantly more fat than that over that five month span, even at a, a relatively small one kilo per month, they should lose five kilos of fat their body weight should still be down, you know, five kilos of fat loss, say two kilos of muscle gain. They mm -hmm. should still be down three kilos. Mm -hmm. But more importantly, they'll look, uh, their appearance will improve much more than if they just lost the five kilos or if mm -hmm. those five kilos included, you know, a kilo of muscle mass. Mm -hmm. They'll look much better. So women do need to be aware of that as well. But, you know, women can be too lean. And this gets into the menstrual cycle dysfunction. Mm -hmm. It's not exactly body fat percentage. Again, don't want to get into the details of all mm -hmm. this. It gets very, very complicated very, very quickly. But it is, it, it's not necessarily healthy for a woman to remain, you know, 14 to 15% body fat year round. Mm -hmm. And to put this in perspective, so a women's, the lower limit of women's body fat is about 10 to 12%. Mm -hmm. So women, if you go look at like, fitness competitions or physique competitions or bodybuilding at competition. That's what 10% body fat, like basically you have lost basically all the fat you have to lose hips, thighs, but usually breasts disappear. Mm -hmm. So women be aware of that. <laughs> um, that is a very potential reality. Um, you know, many high level athletes may, depending on the sport, you know, they may hold 16 to 18% year round. And for a woman at 16%, she will usually have visible abdominals. Hmm. She probably won't have completely lean hips and thighs. It depends, depends on how body, but 
as a generality. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when you get to 20 to say 20 to 22%, you will, you know, that's women's average is like between 18 and 25%. So that's a very, that's considered a very average body fat percentage. And assuming that you, you know, have some muscle mass, you will look generally fit and toned. Mm. You know, once you probably get in the 25 to 30% range, you will probably be, would be what we would describe over as like curvy. And, you know, and as body fat percentage goes up, you're obviously getting, you know, to carry, you know, but because consider this, consider that a woman at a hundred kilos mm. who is carrying 50% body fat, and that's not unheard of. Mm-hmm. That means 50 kilos, she's carrying 50 kilos. That is a tremendous, that is a large amount of body fat. So, you know, if a woman is 18 to 20%, I probably wouldn't, unless she has a specific goal. She goes to me and goes, I want to do a physique contest, or I want to be a runner or a cyclist and being leaner will help my performance. Sure. That's a very small, in my experience, it's a very small percentage of the dieting population, the Mm -hmm. hardcore athlete. You know, there is an appearance issue. 18, you know, if you're between 18 and 24, that's a good healthy range. If you're training, you'll probably be, once you get above that, you start to see decreases, more health problems. Mm -hmm. Um, You also start to see issues with fertility. And for women who are who desire to become pregnant, that can become its own concern. So above that point, you know, that 25, that 30% range may want to do it for health reasons. Again, we all say it's for health. We're all lying. Uh, you know, when we get old, when you get older, you start to care about health, maybe in your sixties or seventies, but if you're younger, let's just face it, you want to look better, um, which is perfectly fine. Um, so yeah, you know, from a body weight standpoint, it's hard to say, you know, I I tend to consider body fat percentage, um, a far, a far more useful metric. Mm -hmm. Um, cause you know, again, if you've got a woman and she's 65 kilos, but carrying 18% body fat, she will probably look very different. She'll look very Mm -hmm. different than a woman at 50 kilos carrying 30% body fat, um, or or whatever the number works out to. Mm. Um, so Lyle, we have a few questions left, but it's, I think almost time for you to, uh, end it. I'm like, fine. We can keep going. I got oh, okay. That's great. All right. So no, I'm good. I always run long. Okay. So the next question would be, um, how can females begin a fat loss diet, uh, or an exercise program? And, um, how can they, uh, frame the workout plan or the nutrition plan? If, if somebody's doing it by themselves. Sure. Actually, hang on. Before we get to that, I do want to go back and touch on something that is very ethnically specific. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that is starting, so, so one of the metrics that has often been used and is sort of very problematic, it's called BMI. It's the body mass index. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, what is it, height squared divided by weight or height yeah. divided by weight squared. It doesn't really matter. It is a very rough measurement of that. Mm-hmm. But now, it, but it does tend to correlate with body fat percentage. Hmm. But what is rapidly being found is that the relationship between BMI and body fat percentage is different in ethnic whites, ethnic blacks, and ethnic Indians. Hmm. Indians tend to carry a higher body fat percentage for any BMI value. So if you hmm. took three women of you know, white, black, Indian, of same BMI, the Indian woman wouldn't carry a higher body fat percentage. And there's like, I, I, I recently tried to read a paper and it was about the genetics of this, mm-hmm. but all it was was talking about hardcore genetic, like stuff that 
I can't. It's just like, well, we did this. We found that this gene was 25% more likely. And I'm like, can't, I don't care. I want to know the consequences of this. Mm-hmm. And one thing I know, Sumi put up a paper on this wall. And I send these to her because I know she has, you know, a larger Indian following just because of course she like, of course that would just be logical. Mm-hmm. And for whatever evolutionary genetic cultural reasons, Indians are more prone to being insulin resistant, which mm-hmm. means that in, the hormone insulin doesn't work as well. Uh, higher risk of becoming diabetic, developing the metabolic syndrome. And this is probably all related, but at the same body weight, at the same BMI level, uh, Indians are more likely to be what we would call skinny fat, hmm. which means that they are a low body weight, but at a, not a high, like you can't be very light and have a super high body. Like you couldn't be 50 kilos and have 50% body fat. Mm-hmm. That'd be physically impossible, <laughs> but proportionally you might be, you know, 60 kilos. And whereas, you know, uh, an ethnically white woman might be 20% body fat. You might be 30. So the same body weight, same BMI, because the same height. Mm-hmm. But it, so in that case, you know, so there there may be a sense that again, this kind of points out why body weight is a problem. So at the same body weight, Indian women may carry more body fat, and it is again, there's health risks down the road, mm-hmm. but that may make it more likely for them to want to seek fat loss. Mm-hmm. And again, fat loss is better than weight loss, but to a degree, they're. They're, they're always going to be related, mm-hmm. right? No, no woman without using drugs is going to be able to lose five kilos of fat mm-hmm. and gain five kilos of muscle in any reasonable time frame, mm-hmm. like over three, two or three years maybe. Mm-hmm. But 10 kilos of muscle gain for a woman, that's a lifetime goal, mm-hmm. right? That is a tremendous amount of muscle where she may, very, you know, she may be able to lose five kilos of fat or even more. So in that sense body weight will probably always go down, but it's a matter of degrees. You know, mm. if you lose five kilos of fat, gain two and a half kilos of muscle, you're still doing a kilo. It won't be, but it won't be exact. But you, so in that sense, weight and body fat percentage will be related. They're just not identical, but that is another consideration mm-hmm. um, for Indian women uh, specifically to consider. So the, the BMI that you're talking about, um, that's only for women that they carry more fat compared to other ethnicities for Indian women or that's even the men. A really good. That's a really good question. Um, oh, wow. <laughs> I put it mean, in Google and I, there's a BMI ethnicity calculator. So apparently it's gotten, um, I doubt, I doubt it's just for women. Um, mm-hmm. Hang on. Uh, this is from a paper. Why are there race ethnic differences in adult body mass index and body fat relationships? Hmm. They stay, yeah, it's just Hispanic and white. Let me see if we turn up anything. Um, and again, you don't have to do it right now. If you think you can do it later, it's fine, completely fine. Yeah. Uh, I, I, my, my gut says it's not specific to women. It's just that okay. sort of what we're, what we're specifically discussing. I'll find it and I'll email it to you when I try. Oh, yeah, to that's fine. That's fine. Too much time. Um, so, but that's, that is, it's okay. So back to your question for hmm. women just starting. Hmm. Um, so far as beginners, I think it's, it's very easy to overwhelm them with information. Hmm. Now there are some that want that, that like the extremes that are drawn to the, that are drawn to, I want everything laid out. Hmm. And I realize that a lot of my writing does tend to be more detail oriented. You know, even the women's book, it's not an easy book to read, make no mistake. And I get very 
excuse me, into a lot of these details. But, and, and that can work, but it can also backfire, right? A lot of women have usually learned like, oh, I did this extreme diet and I lost so many kilos in two weeks and it all came back and I ended up a kilo heavier. If you've done that, don't do it again, right? I realize that it's less fun to take a longer time, but if that ultimately long-term uh, adherence is better, long-term success. Like, yeah, if you've got a special event, if you've got a wedding or... Or we do high school reunions. We mm-hmm. have things of that that nature. You know, yeah, if that's all you care about, if you just like, I just want to go look good at, that's fine. But if your goal is long term, mm-hmm. frequently taking a more long term approach, it, it, there's also the aspect that for beginners, for generally speaking, <clears throat> you don't need the details. Mm. And I'm very much a believer under most circumstances <clears throat> of making the smallest changes that will have the largest effect. So just as an example, and again, this, you know, I had a client years ago and he wanted to lose weight and he was drinking like four regular sodas per day. And that's like 800 calories of sugar water or possibly even more than that. Hmm. And I said, look, the only change I want you to make, just replace that with water or tea or Hmm. diet soda, or just something non-caloric. He started losing roughly a kilo a week. Wow. And he did it. He didn't have to count. He didn't have to start measuring. He didn't mm. start doing any of that stuff. Mm. If I can do that and get the results, I'd rather do that. And it's a lot of, again, mm. this is something Sumi posts a lot about on her wall. She's very, you know, and I'll, I'll be honest, habit-based stuff, not my strength. Like, mm. am I aware of it? Sure. But I, I'm just kind of of the, I was always an athlete. I coach athletes. Like, you can either do it or not. And if you're not going to, it's not my problem. Like, but that is not the best approach for the general public. And, I, you know, so there's, there's very much this idea that s- small habits or small changes over a long term can really be profound, mm. right? And I, I, you know, if you make a 1% change in something, if you go 1%, that's nothing, right? But if you do that every day for, you know, every week for a year, it's a 50% change. It's mm-hmm. huge. It adds up so much. So in that, you know, so, so I look for like the big red flags of what, what I think about the diet more so than the exercise will, is really causing the problems. Um, here, usually what I see, and again, women frequently don't eat enough protein, don't mm. have a taste for protein. I know this is tying into one of your, your next questions because yeah. there's a huge cultural issue that needs yeah. to be addressed here is, you know, they'll, they'll come and they'll go, look, I had, you know, a, a piece of bread or a piece of toast or whatever it is, or bagel and some juice. And I would look at them and go, let me guess at 10 AM you're starving and looking for candy. And they're just looking at me like, how do you know? And I'm just like, because I'm all knowing and all seeing, um, with clients, the sooner I can establish that the fewer arguments we have down the road, I just mm-hmm. want them to think that I, but it's just like, you've seen, when you've seen the pattern enough times, mm-hmm. like, and I go, look, just try to get some protein at breakfast. Like, I don't care what it is, whether it's throw a slice of cheese on your toast, piece of hand, like, again, this is very American stuff. Mm-hmm. And they would do that. And the next day they'd come like, oh my God, this, this is the first time I've ever made it to lunch and not been hungry. And I'm like, <laughs> I am the all knowing Lyle, listen to me. And you, like, again, part of my little shtick. So yeah, so I look for the big red flags. And if I can fix those, then that be all I need to do. Hmm. And frequently you do find that. Frequently you find, lot, there's a lot of diets out there that are like, oh, just 
just don't do this or only do this, whether it's keto, paleo, whatever, whatever, whatever. And what you find is that it makes people automatically eat less. Now, I'm not opposed to that. Mm-hmm. I'm really not, right? If a diet can make you eat less without having to think about it, it's great. Because knowing that you're dieting is, is, is terrible. Mm-hmm. It's mentally stressful. Mm-hmm. Like even if you're not hungry, you're like just knowing you can't eat whatever you want can be mentally stressful. Yeah. And I, I, I have no problem with those types of approaches so long as they get enough protein, right? Like that's, that's you'll hear me coming back to this a million mm-hmm. times because that really is the key. The problem is that a lot of those diets will say, oh, you, calories don't matter as long as you don't eat this food or do eat this food. Mm-hmm. And that's not true. Calories always matter. And what happens down the road is that folks following those diets start to plateau for a number of reasons mm-hmm. and they're no longer losing. And I go, okay, you're going to have to start tracking your calories somehow. We go, no, no, no. Calories don't matter. And those, so those diets can be effective so long as you know how they're working. Mm-hmm. And one of the things you do find lots of research has shown this frequently increasing dietary protein by some amount causes people to eat less mm-hmm. automatically. So if that one change will, will do, do the work, and get and, and get the change that I want, mm-hmm. you know. And if I have to make other changes, that's fine. But I, I, if I can avoid making them until I have to, or if the person can avoid making them until they have to, because measuring food is a pain. Like all that tracking food is an absolute pain. Mm-hmm. Eventually, it has to get done, right? At some mm-hmm. point in everyone's journey, they're going to have to sit down and measure and weigh and get on my fitness pal or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And it is one of the worst things you'll ever go through. <laughs> just it's not in the sense that it's tedious and boring and not fun. Mm-hmm. Although even that frequently when people write it all down, they become much more aware of what they're eating. Mm-hmm. There's a study ages ago that merely writing, writing it down caused people to lose weight because they ate less because suddenly they were aware of that little bit of snacking they were doing through the day, that little made just by being more mindful. Mm-hmm. But it is horrible. It's awful. It's miserable, but nothing will teach you more about food intake than doing two weeks of writing it all down and measuring it and figuring out the calories. Cause it's, again, especially globally to some degree, and I can't speak to, to all countries, mm-hmm. food portion sizes have been going up and up and up in yeah. America. It's absurd. I'm sure you saw this when you were in the States oh, where yeah. you'd go to a restaurant and be like, that is a day's worth of food. <laughs> Yeah. Right. When I went to the UK, for me, it was the opposite. I'm like, is this it? <laughs> what do you mean? What do you mean? This is, this is a third of what I'd get in an American restaurant. Because American restaurants serve literally three times more than you would eat at a meal at any realistic meal yep. for cheap, <laughs> or we have buffets or all that kind of insanity. So people have really lost touch with what, how many calories are in food. And whenever they do these, you know, they have people, oh, I want you to estimate what you ate they're always off by anywhere from like 30 to 70%. It's mm-hmm. just enormous. Wow. So at some point you will have to do that. Mm-hmm. Put it off for as long as humanly possible. If you're making progress with small differences, mm-hmm. I mean, for some people, it really is just as easy as, okay, I'm going to cut down whatever my normal dinner starch is, whether mm-hmm. it's rice or pasta or bread. Like I'm just going to reduce that serving size by 25%. Boom. If that gets it done, more power to you mm-hmm. until it stops getting it done. Mm-hmm. You know, frequently for some people, it's just like, I'm just going to, or take my normal meal size mm-hmm. and I'm just going to not clean my plate. 
again, I know we get in all kinds of cultural and financial yeah. and like, I know there's a lot, just giving as an example, mm-hmm. frequently that alone is all that it takes is mm-hmm. to just consciously go, I'm going to eat a little bit less than normal, or I'm going to try to finish each meal. I get, there's something, it's, there's a Japanese word for it. And I forget the Japanese will say, eat to your only 80% full. Mm-hmm. Is it because there's also there's a delay between when we eat and when we really feel full. So if they stop consciously, like okay, I'm full, but I'm not. Ooh, I can't too eat too much to to move, um, which is how Americans approach eating. That uh, that's probably about right. If you just you know if you're just a little bit hungry all day, you're probably about right. And mm-hmm. I mean I mean true biological hunger. I don't mean I'm bored because locked in the house because of COVID. Like I mean like. <laughs> that's usually about right. So there's, there's, but at some point again, you're going to have to do the measurements and it will teach you more about your actual food intake than anything else. But put that out as long as you can. So that's how I would say approach dieting. If you can get your sufficient protein mm-hmm. and I should probably talk about numbers here uh, as sort of ideals. Cause again, I know it leads to one of your next questions for, well, a women do need less protein than men. This is another difference. Mm-hmm. So again, a lot of the, the protein recommendations you see, it's coming by men, for men, from men. Um, and you'll see, you know, values two to three grams per kilo uh, or whatever. Very, very, very high. Mm-hmm. For women, it, they can be a, a solid 25% less. They have less muscle. They use protein differently physiologically, mm-hmm. you know. So a good starting point, you know, for sort of your average beginner female <clears throat> might be well what's the, what are recommended amounts uh in india like what's are there like government guidelines for that oh the thing is that in that matter uh india is a little backwards okay um so in, in uh, behind every packaged food they would just approximate it according to a 2000 calorie diet okay but like do they recommend like a certain amount per like over here i think it was 0.8 grams per kilo nothing in um, specific here uh, nothing okay specific, yeah. um so yes, yeah, so like in the U.S., that's been like the traditional sort of minimum. Hmm. Generally, you want to go higher than that for dieting. You know, I would probably say in the range of uh, 1.2 to 1.5 grams per kilo, kilo mm-hmm. of lean body mass, right? Not total. Mm-hmm. So let's say you're uh, 50 kilos. Now yeah, let's go a little bit. I'll, Say you're 60 kilos mm-hmm. at 132 pounds, mm-hmm. 20% body fat, mm-hmm. right? That means you have 48 kilos of lean body mass, mm-hmm. right? It's multiplied 60 times 80% times 0.8. Right. Mm-hmm. So at 1.2, that, that can't be right. 48, 1.2. No, I'm sorry. What's 1.2 1.5 grams per pound. Let's try that again. Two points, say 2.4 grams per kilo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's try that again in non-metric. It's about 115 grams of protein. Okay. Now, when you tell many women that, they'll go, oh my God, that is so much protein. And again, like I said, I know that's your next question. If you're eating any amount of meat, I know, again, next question, but like that much of say chicken or fish, mm-hmm. about the size of a deck of cards, about three to four ounces. And I don't know how many grams that is off the top of my head. That's about 30 grams of protein. Mm-hmm. So if you're doing that multiple times per day, mm-hmm. and it doesn't have to come from animal proteins, vegetable proteins, dairy, mm-hmm. things of that nature, to get that amount is generally not 
as difficult as women as, as women think. Like I said, men, usually less of an issue. Um, again, I know within cultural stuff. So like that, you know, that would be a good range. As women, as you get much leaner, mm-hmm. you may need more protein. Mm-hmm. Um, you could even go, okay, hang on. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm mixing, I'm mixing metric and, and US levels, one point. You know, usually the lowest I've seen for dieting would be 1.5 grams per kilo. Hmm. So, you know, which is about 90, 80 to 90 grams per protein. So we're not seeing, we're not looking at humongous differences, mm-hmm. you know. Even, even for, I think for women, if they like track, they'll probably find they're not getting you know, 30, 40, maybe 50 grams of protein. If you can find a way to double that, you're fine. Hmm. You know, we're not dealing, if you were trying to get 12% body fat, different. If you're carrying lots of extra body fat, you don't need as much. You may choose to eat more because again, it controls appetite and blood sugar, but you don't physically need as more. So, you know, 90, 100, 110 grams, that's probably going to, it's going to be an improvement. And you will see this if you, if you, they take folks and they're like, all right, we took them from 15% protein, which is the daily recommended amount. We doubled that, Mm -hmm. which is, you know, 45, 50 grams to 90 to a hundred. Boom ate a couple hundred calories less, lost fat over some, some portion of time. Like that alone, dietarily, will get most of it done. Um, so far as exercise, really the biggest, the best piece of advice I can give is start slow. Hmm. Also realize that as much as we talk about exercise, as much as we fixate on it, my degree is in exercise physiology, the reality is that exercise has a depressingly minimal effect mm. on weight loss, predominantly because beginners can't do that much of it. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's, just a, it's just a numerical reality, right? If you do 30 minutes of moderate aerobic activity and you're relatively smaller, mm-hmm. you might burn 150 to 200 calories if you're lucky, more like 150 times seven days a week. Like that's not even, a, that's not even half a kilo a month. Yeah. Sure, if you can do an hour of hard aerobic activity six days a week, absolutely, because you may be burning 500. Beginners, well, they probably can do it for a couple of weeks till they get hurt and quit, but they shouldn't. Hmm. So there's that reality. Now, it doesn't mean it's not beneficial. Many find that when they start an exercise program, they, they're psychologically more likely to be uh, to stick to their eating habits that they often go hand in hand. Um, resistance training has an even small, resistance training burns uh, a depressingly few number of calories, yes. unless you do a ton of it. If you're in the weight room for two hours going, you can burn a lot. The, the basic beginner weight routine that may take 20 or 30 minutes, where that really benefits has to do with the composition of what's lost. Like I said, mm. in an ideal world, we would lose 100% fat. Mm. Women are actually, they have an advantage there. Women are more, women lose a greater proportion of the weight as fat as men do. And for reasons I truly don't want to get, it's way technical math. Mm -hmm. That is one of the reasons women lose fat more slowly. Like you will lose weight faster if you lose more muscle, but Mm -hmm. this sets you up for a disaster down the road. So because, because of all these other reasons and being smaller, women lose more slowly, but also the, the advantages they're losing nearly 100% fat. If you do even do the most minimum weight training, I mean, twice a week for 20 or 30 minutes, 
one set per muscle group where you're challenging yourself, mm. you should get zero muscle loss, which means everything. So it, it can help with composition. Also, mm. you gain a couple, three pounds, mm. which is, or kilo, kilo and a half uh, over, you, you, it will change your appearance to a much greater degree. And to a very real, real degree, really all, all cardio aerobic activity does is burn calories, genuinely. Mm. Studies have shown that if you just cut your, if you just create a deficit and weight train, you basically, you get the same results. Mm. As now, if you, if you want to do cardio, I'm not saying don't, if you want to, it allows you to eat a little bit more. Um, maybe, you know, there can be reasons to do it, but don't mm. expect it to enormous, at least not initially. Mm. Now that isn't to say that over time you can't, it can have a role. Right. My point being just early on, right? If you can burn 150 calories with aerobic activity, you can take 250 calories out of your diet like that. Mm -hmm. Diet is just a much bigger, uh, a much easier path to go down. Now, six months from now, if you focus on getting fitter, progressing your aerobic activity, just like we progressed resistance training, you'll be able to burn more calories over time. And there is a, a study that I cited in the women's book a bunch of years ago to beginner women and men overweight and they started them burning a hundred calories a day, six days a week. Mm. Now what was interesting here, this goes to other differences because the women were smaller. They had to exercise something like 25% longer because women burn fewer calories per minute because they're littler. Mm -hmm. So again, if you see it, if, if a guy goes, ah, do 30 minutes of cardio six days a week. Well, women might have to do 40 to 45 to, to, uh, match that mm -hmm. anyway so they burn but over six months they built them up to 600 calories a day six days a week mm -hmm. but that's a pretty long period of time as they got fitter they just pushed them a little bit harder duration mm -hmm. intensity so by the six month mark they were now burning nearly a pound you know the equivalent of a pound of fat a week but it took time to get there mm -hmm. the key is that when you do it that way you don't ever feel overwhelmed right when i trained beginners my goal was to have them never feel like they couldn't achieve the goal, mm. right? We started very, very light. Mm -hmm. I would take them when they could do 12 repetitions easily. I would mm -hmm. add a little bit of weight, mm -hmm. bring them back to eight. You can get away with that for a really long time. And over time, I would push them a little bit harder, right? So they would get to 11 and I'd think, ah, oh, you got one more. And I, they get one more, mm. but they never walked out of the gym exhausted. They never, you know, you hear these stories like, oh, my trainer put me through a leg workout. I couldn't walk for two days. That's not effective. Mm. My goal as a trainer or as a coach is not to destroy you. It's mm -hmm. to make you better, right? Mm. I do. Now, some people like they want that. Ah, if I don't come out of a workout, you know, and fall down, it wasn't. No, the goal is not to be exhausted. The, call, the goal is to make progress. Mm -hmm. But you start slow and build up over time so that, and by, you know, 12 weeks later with my beginner clients, they would be working harder than they ever thought possible but I did it so slowly, mm. they never really, as opposed to some that would go to a trainer, mm -hmm. put them through 20 sets for chassis, a typical bodybuilder workout. Mm -hmm. Be like, I couldn't lift my arms for a week. I quit. I never want to see that. So start slowly, mm. realize that diet will play the bigger role and realize that even if you're not doing a tremendous amount now, just add to it. Mm -hmm. Focus on what you did accomplish. Add a few minutes. Every, if you start on, I have had very unfit, very overweight clients years ago that literally five minutes on the treadmill was it. Well, we did five. So I had them do five minutes. We did a few weight exercises. Mm -hmm. I had them do five minutes. You're done. Well, 10 minutes is better than zero. 
Mm-hmm. And two days later, they'd come back and be like, okay, let's do seven and seven. Nine and so by the end of the first week, they're doing 10 and 10. Like, wow, I'm doing 20 minutes. It's not mm-hmm. continuous. Don't care. Mm-hmm. They're getting it. They're doing it. They're accomplishing it. They're achieving it. And that to me is the key is they have to come out of the workout feeling like they've succeeded, mm-hmm. like they've accomplished something, but then over time they are improving. Mm. And that's also where I see weight training has a much, much bigger role with aerobic exercise. It can take six weeks to really feel the change. Mm-hmm. It's about that long to get that first big, big adaptation with weight training. And again, this is a trick. I didn't care whatever worked. I would start them super duper light on exercises they could very easily do. I didn't teach squats to beginners. I didn't teach deadlifts to beginner. If I got to put them on a machine so they can feel like, I don't want them to feel embarrassed, self-conscious ever. And I start them so super light. And at the second workout, they feel stronger. They're not because they, it's because they're, it's, their brain is learning to lift the weights. There's a bunch of stuff going on. Mm-hmm. Or if I had to do like a dumbbell bench press, mm-hmm. it was a little bit wobbly mm-hmm. and I would guide them through it. And the second, second, second workout, it would feel better, feel more stable, mm. feel like, it, and they'd be like, wow, the, the, the improvements, the feeling of achievement are so much faster with weight training. And this is why I'm a big believer in, in ideally starting with both. There's an old idea, like, it's like, oh, you know, just do cardio first or lose weight before you go to the weight room. Mm. There's also the, old, I'm going to get in shape before I go join a gym. No, 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 no. That's backwards. Mm. Like I, I want to start people on. Now again, I'm not doing an exhausting amount. My beginner weight training workout was four exercises, mm. one for legs, one for chest, one for back. Mm. And then like an ab exercise mm. took about 10 minutes. It was plenty for someone completely untrained. So, you mm-hmm. know, we did five minutes aerobic activity to warm up. 10 minutes of weight training, five minutes or whatever they could do at the end. Great. You just did a 20 minute workout and you walked out of here feeling better than you walked in. Mm-hmm. Next time we'll do a little bit more, but I would, but again, it's that 1% thing. I would rather increase by 1% per workout and over 12 weeks, you know, suddenly they've increased 35% more than they ever thought they could do. So start slow, Beat, consistency beats out intensity every single time. Something else I would add, because this is a, a, something I see a lot of beginners do. Hmm. And it's true of diet as well. So this is more of a general concept. Um, life happens and life hmm. gets in the way, right? You will, there are always backslides. There are always m- mistakes. And I hate to use those terms, but you know what I mean. You started your diet plan, you started your exercise plan. Whatever, something gets in the way. You have a family emergency, you don't, whatever, and you miss a workout. And people will think, oh, man, I've been doing this for three weeks. I missed a workout. I've lost it. I might as well not even, I quit. Mm. I might as well not even go back. That's very self-defeating. Even in the beginner stage, you don't, you lose almost nothing. But even if you did, you gain it back twice as quickly as you gained in the first place. Mm. So actually, there's an insane study a couple of years ago. They took beginners, they had one group train every week for however long it was 24 Mm -hmm. the other group trained for three weeks and then took like two weeks off and then trained for three weeks and something like that and what they saw was that that the group that took the time off would gain a little bit faster when they came back Hmm. and then and they both ended up at the exact same spot now i'm not saying to take two weeks off every three weeks Mm -hmm. there is a consistency aspect of this but if you miss a workout don't worry about it Hmm. do it tomorrow do it in a day or just just move on 
You know, mm. when I've been training Sumi, every once in a while, she'll have a bad workout. We'll have to miss. It's very rare. Mm. And she'll be like, did we make up for the last one? No, it's gone. That's in the past. Just mm. we're done with that. We just continue. Same thing with diet. Things will happen. Mm-hmm. Family events, especially, you know, well, U.S. holiday, Christmas time in the U.S. is a nightmare. We've got all these holidays stacked up, um, you know, and, and there is a cultural aspect. If you get invited to a group event or a family dinner party and, and realize I'm actually, I'm actually half Middle Eastern, so I can't understand, this, this, will, this sounds horribly racist, it's not meant to me, but there is not meant to be. People from more of an ethnic background, and I am contrasting that to sort of just general American, there is a family structure that encompasses mm-hmm. everything. Middle Eastern, when we have holiday, when we have family dinners, A, my grandma cooks would cook 10 times more food than necessary. That's a totally, that's a totally cultural thing. Ethnic, what's well, an ethnic thing? You hear that from like almost all ethnic groups. Um, your aunties just tell you to eat, eat, have some more. Let me get you more food. Like, so like, you know exactly what I'm talking, because I'm sure it's similar enough, right? So if you get invited, to, if like, oh, I'm dieting and you get invited to that, you're not going to go there and tell your family because it's very disrespectful. It's very insulting. Like, I'm not saying eat everything in the world, but when those things happen, or you may just have a bad day. We're in a very high-stress world right now. Everything seems awful. Um, you're going to have bad days. Now, you can let that completely derail you, mm-hmm. or you can, I mean, you can, you can adjust slightly the next day if you want, or you can ignore it, because in the big picture, one day doesn't mean anything. True. Right? I've even seen people like, ah, oh, they've, they've, whatever, they've died for 12 weeks, Hmm. They've lost whatever it is, say it's five kilos hmm. and something comes up, they gain a kilo back and they're like, I wasted all that time. Like, no, I think it's human nature. We focus on what we did wrong versus what we did right. That seems to be a common theme for humans in a lot of aspects. And it's like, look, you lost five kilos. Yeah. You gained one back. So you, you, you've already shown that you can do this mm-hmm. because you did it. Do it again. Cause it'll take you no time at all to lose that kilo and get back to progressing. Mm-hmm. So it's very easy to, to lose sight of the big picture in that regards mm-hmm. and let these short, you know, except I'll call them mistakes or whatever disruptions violent, you know, in, in drug addiction, they call it the abstinence violation effect when, mm-hmm. when drug users or alcohol users, you know, they fall off the wagon. And what, what their research has really clearly shown is how they respond to that determines very much what happens. If they see it as a personal failing, as a I'm weak, I suck, mm-hmm. they tend to uh, relapse. Mm-hmm. But if they see it as a, what can I learn from this? What, you know, what in environmental situation, what occurred, what can I learn so that next time I can be ready? Hmm. They are the ones that succeed long-term. It's the same thing here. Great. Uh, you, you focused a lot on uh, psychological aspects right now. So maybe, uh, you know, uh, ma- making sure that you know you're winning a workout when you go inside and not coming out as losing one. That also makes a big difference. Right. And, and even, you know, and even in that sense, like people have good days and bad days and right. something I don't want to get women, 
some women across their menstrual cycle mm-hmm. may find that their performance and their energy levels change. Mm-hmm. Not, not all of them. There's huge, vari- there's much more variability here mm-hmm. in women than men in that regards. Some women, there's no change. Some women are up and down and up and down. So if you go in and you just feel terrible, right? Didn't sleep well, just whatever. And you can't do the, the exact same amount you did the last week. Mm. It's very easy. Ah, you know, uh, lost all my gains. I suck. Mm. I'm weak. I couldn't do this. Women frequently are just like, I got to power through this. Mm. And male coaches are frequently power through this. I did that when I was younger. Mm. I feel almost embarrassed about it now. <laughs> and one week out of the month, she couldn't lift. I'd be like, what's, what's your problem? Lift the weight. She's like, I can't. I'm like, you can't just. And I look back at that and go, Ugh, awful. <laughs> I was part of the problem. Anyway. So like, don't focus on, ah, I had a bad workout. Focus on, hey, I did my workout. Mm-hmm. I went. The fact that you went, you know, there's an, there's an old quote to the effect of the most important part of success is showing up. Mm-hmm. The fact that you actually went when maybe you didn't feel, or if you go and you feel terrible. I mean, mm-hmm. truly, and some women are really, really hit hard by a lot of this. You don't have to do your full workout. Do a little bit of it. Do 15 minutes is better than 30 minutes. 30 minutes is still better, or sorry, 15 minutes is better than zero, even if it's not 30. Go do some frequently. If you come out of there feeling better than you went in, great. Hmm. But just be, be aware that that can also very much happen more and more so to women than men. Um, just, you know, again, those short-term things don't really matter in the big picture. Mm. Miss a week? Cool. Get right back into it. You'll get right back to where you were within two workouts. Mm. It takes no time at all. Miss one work, whatever, go train tomorrow. It's all good. If you have a bad workout, put it behind you and just, it'll be better the next time. There's something else I've told Sumi. Every once in a while, she'll have just one of those things. And we do a particularly hard workout on Saturdays. In one week, it'll just not go well because it's mm. a very maximal workout Mm -hmm. and i'll just go look here's what your records every time this happens the next week you have a fantastic workout Mm -hmm. and every time i've told her that it happens and maybe i'm programming her for it maybe i'm Mm -hmm. i don't care but it's still even hard for her three years down the road to go look this is just one workout and invariably that bad workout a few days later you come back in you're rested you feel better and you kill it so Mm -hmm. you know Another thing you see online is, you know, everybody thinks progress is like this mm-hmm. and it's not. It's yeah. same thing with weight loss. People will lose and they may stay and they may sort of stall mm-hmm. and they may go up a little bit. And women, obviously they have weight changes during their monthly cycle that mm-hmm. can occur, you know, but as long as it's coming down gradually, your body weight, and your body fat, great. As long as over time, your performance in the weight room, your aerobic fitness is going up. Cool. What's mm-hmm. happening in the short term doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Uh, so I had a few more questions, but now that I see you answered all of them in your, uh, yeah. And just one important question that was left about the, the, the cultural differences here. Yeah. Um, so first of all, as the protein recommendations you gave, let me yeah. tell you, um, the women uh, recommendations for the women, those are not even eaten by men here. Yeah. And, and women that's are completely some, out of question when it comes to... Yeah, that, that's something I've discussed with Sumi a lot because yeah. I know it's something she... she with clients and, hmm. and I know that a lot of that is because culturally... Um, I know vegetarianism is oh, yeah. like it, it's it's part of it's part of religion as much as much as mm-hmm. just sort of cultural stuff. Mm-hmm. Here it tends to be a little bit more of a niche. Um, and that 
And I think the question you had, you know, will that prevent people from losing fat? And the answer is no, but it certainly can make it more difficult. Mm -hmm. Excuse me. So if, uh, if the, I may, uh, I'll, I'll yeah. just give you a short, uh, a brief example of, of what Please. different kind of, uh, you know, beliefs people have here so that you have an, uh, you know, understanding about it. So number one is, of course, vegetarians. Um, right. Nowadays, we have vegans as well. Uh, we yeah. also have a particular community known as the Jain community, which is uh, Jainism. That's a different religion. And they do not eat uh, anything that's grown underground. So no onions, no uh, carrots. Interesting. Uh, no okay. tubers, nothing. And, and meat, of course, never. They would never eat meat. Uh, they would never eat tubers. Uh, no, nothing that's, that's like a root vegetable or fruit, something like that. They would never eat like uh, that. Just because I'm curious, mm -hmm. Why? What so was they believe the, that, the basis uh, of that belief? So they, because I am half uh, Jain, my mom was okay. Jain, so I know okay. about this. So, uh, so they believe that when you pull out a plant from the roots, it's completely dead. So you're killing it. Okay, That's gotcha. It. Okay. So they also face a lot of issues with, uh, with the vitamin deficiencies and mineral deficiencies. Yeah, um, meat, is, I mean, the protein is far away. I mean, that's a, a long question. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, it, I mean, can it be done, right? There, there are a number of studies, people in the U.S. who, who are sort of of that, I hate to say ideology, but it can become very ideological. Because mm -hmm. make no mistake, it's, well, here, when, when you say, oh, look, you know, it's important to eat, to, to, you know, humans, we, we kind of evolved, like we, we had animal products, we had vegetable products. Mm -hmm. And I'm of the belief that, you know, you find that there's nutrients in both that we need. And mm -hmm. one of the, you know, here we've got the carnivore diet, which is mm -hmm. the most ridiculous, the all you eat is meat approach. And so American, just such an American. I, I interviewed uh, Dr. Sean Baker as well. Uh, oh, really? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, so I'm, I'm, but, but when you say that, when you tell people like, oh, you know, it's important that you, you know, should get some, they go, well, why would I eat 80% meat? Like, that's not what I said, mm -hmm. right? If you look at most athletic diets, lots of lean proteins, some starches, lots of, like I, I would never say not to eat fruits and vegetables, like mm -hmm. ever. I'm not anti-grain, I'm not anti-carbohydrate, but it becomes a balance issue. Mm -hmm. And depending on the extremity of the vegetarianism, because at least over here, you know, we sort of define different types, mm -hmm. right? You've got sort of, well, vegan is just no animal products whatsoever. Yeah, yeah. That includes all animal products, eggs, milk, meat, fowl, fish, honey, mm -hmm. although some of them, like everything. That's mm -hmm. really the most extreme. With vegetarianism over here, some just don't eat red meat, but mm -hmm. will allow chicken and fish, oh. eggs, milk. Okay. Yeah, and that's, you get into some of this. It's a lot of semantic nitpicking. Yeah, people who eat just fish and nothing else, a pescatarian or something like that, I guess. Right. Then there's pescatarians that yeah. will eat fish. You've got what are called mm. lacto-ovo-vegetarians, ah, which mm. will not eat any animal flesh, mm. but will allow dairy and eggs. Dairy and, eggs. Mm. and I mean, I got into an <laughs> argument with somebody one time and they were like, only red meat is meat. No, <laughs> if it had eyes, it's meat. But it's a, it's semantic game playing to me. Mm -hmm. It's just like, no, I think that's a really ridiculous uh, distinction, but whatever. Mm -hmm. So, and I don't know how extreme, you know, um, the, the vegetarianism is over there. Does it allow any sort of animal products, whether it's oh, eggs, yeah, yeah, dairy, sure. fish? Um, so right. milk and, uh, milk and milk products. Yes. But okay. nothing, no eggs, no meat, nothing like that. Nothing. 
Really? Okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, certainly, yes, that, that will make it more difficult. The big problem being that most, most vegetable source proteins are, tend to have a lot of carbohydrates yes. Yes. associated with them. Mm -hmm. So to get the kind of protein numbers I'm talking about, it invariably takes calories too high. That, that tends to be really, is there just aren't, you know, e even, you know, if you look at Asian cultures, even by the time you add like tofu is at least somewhat as of a concentrated protein food, mm -hmm. you know, it's still got some tag long fats, but not as bad to try to get the kind of protein numbers I'm talking about from, mm -hmm. uh, say, you know, rices and beans or legumes, things of that nature mm -hmm. becomes very, very difficult. So it certainly doesn't make it any easier. Mm -hmm. um, and I, you know, I doubt, my, my gut says that, you know, over here, a lot of the really militant vegan, vegans are like, ah, I'm a vegan strength athlete. I'm like, and how much protein powder do you use per day? Because I guarantee you're not getting enough protein from, from beans. Mm -hmm. And the answer is usually a lot. So I don't know if protein powders, those types of things are, are really a cultural thing. Yes. Uh, yes. Now they are. Uh, so as you said, okay. some American things have translated here for sure, except for McDonald's only. <laughs> so, well, yeah, I'm sure they, yeah, as I think about it, they're probably not going to be tremendously successful in a country that's predominantly oh, McDonald's? vegetarian. Oh, wait, they have? Oh, my gosh. It's so really it runs really well here. And they have modified their menu according to Indian stuff. So well, that was gonna be my next dumb question yeah. is like, what do they sell? Do oh, they, they just have, have like veggie burgers and vegetarian stuff. They have chicken burgers. Wow. They don't have any beef because beef is banned in India. Right sure. Now. And um, uh, they have, I wow. think they have a pork burger. Um, okay. But, but a lot of vegetarian options, lots of them. Yeah. I mean, I guess, you know, yay capitalism. But like I said, uh, America, we will, we will ruin the rest of the world if it's the last <laughs> thing that we do. You know, there's that famous picture, the first McDonald's that opened in Russia and the line was, you know, <laughs> around the block. Like that's hooray for my country. Um, so yeah, it's like, you know, pro at least protein powder is concentrated. So that's mm -hmm. one way to go about it. Okay. Um, dairy foods, you know, you can only probably, dairy can get tiresome, but that is at least more concentrated. Mm -hmm. um, you know, over here, of course, we have all kinds of low fat and fat free dairy. And I don't mm -hmm. know if that's particularly available. Um, Not so much. You know, you, you know, and it's again, I tend to, my protein recommendations tend to be about, I tend to err on more on the side of too much than too little. Mm. But we do get into rel, and again, this is something that, like I said, somebody needs to write a book about this. It's mm. not going to be me because the women's book almost broke me. And the idea of looking into all these ethnic differences mm. just sounds, over, it's just overwhelming to me yeah, right now, yeah. um, even as desperately as we need it. Mm. You know, so, you know, if we, you know, that, if the 1.5 grams per kilo, like, I don't know how, you know, so you're looking at, you know, 50, 60 kilo woman, 90 grams of protein. I don't know if that's, because the other, the grain proteins do count. Mm -hmm. Right. So that's at least a proportion of it. Mm -hmm. If you can even find one or two concentrated sources of protein, mm -hmm. whether it's, you know, a scoop of protein powder, usually about 30 grams, mm -hmm. um, would be, you know, are there, so like, again, I know in Japan and Asian cultures, they have tofu. Are there any sorts of concentrated proteins, like whether it's soy, yeah. I don't know, soy based, I don't know what, it, what food stuff would be based around. So I don't know if Sumi has ever told you about this, but there's something called paneer, which is a farmer's yes. cheese. Okay. So they have farmer's um, cheese so cubes that we, that we make into a curry and we eat it. 
Oh, how interesting. Okay, yeah. So, so you know, something like that would certainly be a way to at least go about increasing protein intake. Mm-hmm. And if you're adding the, you know, what is generally a higher quality protein to, you know, what are like vegetable and bean sources, not as high quality, you know, there's a mm-hmm. whole thing with food combining and all that stuff, mm-hmm. um, will tend to improve the overall quality of it. Mm-hmm. So even doing that to bump up protein intake would mm-hmm. be a, a big first step. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, like I said, that is tough because now yeah. here, usually when I run into it, it's more of a personal, either ethical thing or a taste thing. Mm-hmm. Women frequently just don't have the taste. Like I said, men, men love red meat. It's a biological thing. Mm-hmm. Um, men tend to crave protein and fat. Women tend to crave carbs and fat as a generality. Mm-hmm. Um, so I read it. So, so it's often a hard push for those reasons. But now we're introducing a factor that it is part of, you know, uh, a, a countrywide religion. It's part of a, it's, it's beyond a personal choice. Cause in the U S we're spoiled enough to make all kinds of idiot, idiotic dietary choices and people do it all the time. Mm. Um, whereas in other, it is often such a deep seated part of the culture. You can't just say, Oh, go against everything you've ever been taught and everything everyone in your country believes it doesn't really work out that well. Mm. Um, although I'd be interested to know lately there have been a fair number of professional Indian bodybuilders. Mm -hmm. And realistically, of course, this is because steroids are legal and easy to, they're easy to get. It's lately there's been sort of a, a burst of pro bodybuilders from countries that have not been traditionally known for that sport. Thailand is another one. Mm -hmm. And it's because steroids are legal and easy to get. And you're sick, but I would be really curious because bodybuilders always emphasize so much protein, Mm. what, they eat if they simply ignore their cultural religious upbringing and eat all the the animal products or i I really just now i I would wonder what or they just live on protein powder i guess okay so uh uh, first of all you're right that there have been like uh there's like a like an array of bodybuilders that have come out from india these days Mm -hmm. and uh i'm not saying there are no vegetarians in the in in the in the in that population there are Got it. Majority come from religions that already eat meat. Gotcha. Okay. Yes. So that they, mean, no, that they makes have perfect chicken, sense. mutton, uh, fish, uh, gotcha. protein powders, uh, eggs, everything. Got it. So, yeah. Well, and, and that makes perfect logical sense. I mean, that okay. Um, like I said, that's, that's why, I mean, early on I said, like, I realized that India is a tremendous, like, yeah huge country and it's not like there is a single cultural mm-hmm. or religious uh, upbringing any more than in most countries so all right well no that again today i learned something um so yeah so a lot of it i think will just be sort of doing you know e- even if you can't hit those ideal numbers hmm. any unincrease will be an improvement um certainly over what sounds like traditionally like, do you know what average protein intakes are among either Indian women or men? Um, yes, I have calculated in my clients and I've asked around a few people. And uh, say example, um, if it's a 60 kilo lady, uh, I'm not trying to generalize, but just from what sure. data I have collected anecdotally. Yeah. Uh, I think they would consume 40 grams or 50 grams a day maximum. Maximum. Yeah. That's all. Which is about, you know, that's sort of the recommended. So yeah. let's see, what is it? Point. And that too uh, is on a rare, like a good day. So, right. Uh, Oops. 
Yeah, I mean, that, that's about what our, you know, sort of our, you know, I think, I think our government recommendations about 0.8 yeah. grams per kilo, yeah. 60 kilos, 48 grams. So certainly in that range, hmm. um, you know, if you could even get that up, I think hmm. like 25%, even to 75 to 80 yeah. would probably be a big difference. What do you do? I mean, how, how do you, obviously, I mean, you've got firsthand experience. What, what do you, what recommendations do you make? Um, I just ask them to, um, say example. So, so a typical Indian diet has one, uh, flatbread made of grains. Um, okay. One bowl of lentil soup, which has some protein. Sure. And then one uh, curry. That's a typical thing. So okay. I just ask them to maybe increase the, the amount of lentil soup and reduce the grain source so that yeah. it sort of balances out. It's a little tough for sure. It's a little tough. Sure. Uh, and I have a lot of vegetarian clients. So I, I face that. Uh, yeah. Some of them have plant protein powders, which is the okay. best way you said. Yes. And some of them have whey protein as well, especially the males. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that, and that basically sounds like in a practical sense, yes. just that's what, you know, you, you do, you do what you have to do within exactly what you have to work with. Yeah. But even, even that one thing, just, you know, increasing the lentils by 25% and reducing mm-hmm. the, the grains and rice or uh, the, the, the starch yes. by that same amount will, will pretty, you know, at least be a start. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, and then if you can add, you know, a protein scoop of protein powder to a yeah. day, yeah. I mean, cause even that you add that 30 grams, a single scoop of protein powder to an average of, you know, 40 oh, yeah. to 50 grams, you're great. at least up in the 70. Like even that is a huge step forward. Yep. Yep. Um, so. And, and since you brought uh, the topic of uh, protein powders, just a couple of weeks ago, a huge racket was busted in Northern India where uh, they were just selling uh, carbohydrate powder and labeling oh, it as, no. a, uh, as a internationally imported whey protein. <sighs> and they were also adding anabolic steroid powders to it. Oh, fantastic. That's and, yeah. I awesome. think it, the entire racket was about four hundred thousand dollars, approximately. Wow. Yeah. Um, so people don't even trust powders here too much. Well, I mean, which I can, I mean, I can believe, and this is something, yeah. and, and again, this can come across. I, you know, when you look, uh, pharmaceuticals from India are frequently half of mm. what you will see elsewhere in the world, but mm. apparently, an enormous amount of them are counterfeited. Yeah, and they just aren't real, and that's you know, like it can be real hit or miss depending on what what company you pick. Mm. So, and it, and the supplement industry has been um, prone to that for years. Mm. Over here, a few years ago, there was something called amino amino spiking. Okay, and because what you know when they, when you do qual, I'm sure you're probably familiar with this. When they do quality uh, assays on protein powder, yeah. they're looking for so what they would do is take a very inexpensive protein powder mm-hmm. and they would just put larger amounts of these specific amino acids, which are also so that on a, on a chemical assay, it would be like, oh, wow, this is a super high quality. It's got super high amounts of this amino acid, but they were based because there's so much money to be made. Um, so I'm not, how did they, how did they find this out? I, like I don't did, know. They got tipped by some some uh, some person. Yeah, and they just probably it. someone yeah. in the company. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that and and I don't know what the solution to that is. I, I can you know I imagine. I mean, American supplement companies, American companies know where money to be made is, mm-hmm. and I think if they see that there is a cultural shift in a country of a billion people to the demand for for protein 
they'll find a way they'll figure mm. out a way to for the major brands to probably mm. get a, you know to, to get into the country but yeah i can see that would why that would cause some distrust that's amazing um because i have trouble imagining well honestly it's probably cheaper to uh synthesize the steroids than to get quality protein power yes yes that's um, true yeah phenomenal that's just <laughs> phenomenal so again, I'm not generalizing. I mean, I'm sure there are a lot of shops here that sell genuine stuff, but because of sure. a small bunch, uh, of course. people don't trust them. <laughs> so it's like that. No, and I mean, and understandably not, yeah. because not only are you spending what I suspect is probably relatively proportionally more money mm -hmm. for a non-product, you're getting giving being given something that you didn't consent to taking. I mean, giving someone anabolic steroids without their knowledge um, <laughs> not that it's necessarily dangerous and safe, but like, that's just not, that's just not right. Mm -hmm. um, so I can absolutely understand that. I mean, it, it all, it, I don't know if this could ever exist, but I mean, here we honestly have companies that all they do is quality testing. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, if there could be some sort of quality seal of approval where a given company's products are tested and stamped with it to say, yeah, this is what legitimate, I bet that would like yeah. at least some sort of potential to, mm -hmm. to guide people. Mm -hmm. um, Cause yeah, there is, there's a ton of money to be made and carbohydrate powder is cheap. <laughs> uh, I can, uh, there, there's a great movie. If you haven't seen it, it's called bigger, stronger, faster oh, yeah, a documentary yeah, yeah. Yes. about 15 years ago. Yeah. And, and the guy's like, yeah, this, this bottle, which sells for whatever, 39.95 us a month, cost us about three bucks to make yeah. or what it, it might not have been that extreme yeah, but but, but huh. the, the 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 markup on these product is so ridiculous that all people have to set up a company really what costs them the most money is the advertising hmm. is get people to buy it for a year and then they can retire hmm. because they've made you know they've made that's their funny. four or five hundred thousand dollars and that's all that they can get out of it so it's yeah there's such a an absurd amount of money to be made and which is unfortunate because it means fleecing the gullible um but yeah i mean it sounds like in a practical sense you know you've you've figured out the the best compromise mm -hmm. and that's and that's true of everything you know like i said there's so much context to this we can talk in ideals. We can talk in theoretical on paper mm. perfection. And then there's the real world. You know, mm. there's, there's the, the real world of life. You know, again, if you've got a professional athlete who's got resources and access to everything, it's different. But in the real world, we have to work around mm -hmm. um, those realities. And this is a big one. Mm -hmm. um, but it sounds like you've kind of because again, you know, like we're just saying, it's sort of a typical meal with lentil soup and a curry and bread. You know, if you were to, to make that shift at two meals a day mm -hmm. and bump protein and then add a decent protein powder, right there, you've doubled their protein yep. intake. Yep. And, and that alone, you know, enormous first step. Mm -hmm. Well, awesome. Uh, Lyle, uh, this was a great, great podcast. Um, Thank you so much for taking the time and uh, oh, absolutely. Thanks us. for having me. Uh, and and there, there are a lot of people who are looking forward to this conversation because a few people Great. on Facebook as well told me to upload it there. Uh, okay. I'm sure Very Instagram's good. going to be there maybe tomorrow or day after. I'm going to edit it a little bit sure. because IGTV only allows me a one hour video. So I have to cut it into yeah. one and one. Very good. Um, but uh, I, I, I hope to do another podcast with you on different topics because uh, your knowledge is phenomenal and 
everybody oh, is aware of that. <laughs> absolutely. And I would also, I would, I would definitely, I know, I think I know you said this, definitely have Sumi on because she oh, yeah. will have, I think, not only more perspective uh, culturally and ethnically, but one of the things she deals with is the wrong word, but has a lot of experience with, that I think is very much an issue. A you know, big thing for her is sort of mommy fitness or mm-hmm. what did like moms in general, mothers tend to be tasked with a lot more things, mm-hmm. child raising, paying attention to the house, cooking, yep. et cetera, which can leave them with very little time. Mm-hmm. And that's something Sumi is very passionate about mm-hmm. is, you know, finding 20 to 30 minutes to do even the most basic of exercise routines. She's written, she's written her own book about it. She did it herself when she was pregnant and after she had her daughter. So that's something I think she can really speak to um, in a very practical sense mm-hmm. is what busy mothers or homemakers or what have you um, can do to work through this. So I'll definitely have her on. Yeah, yeah, awesome. Uh, yes, thanks a lot. You have a great day. And I'll, I'll stay in touch with you via email. Fantastic. Oh, I'm just going to...